Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We should be live now. I mean, it says live. So. But then people will see me in a dolly mix. <laughs> I, look, I look gigantic now. You do. Uh, so we're I, live. I'm going to sit on another chair. <laughs> We're live in Brighouse. Well, the outskirts of. I'm a great fun getting here today, thanks to the vagaries of the British transport system. Uh, but we're here for the, the European Championship draws. They're going to be happening in a couple of hours' time, um, of which we will be getting plenty of reaction to on this channel, if you're watching. I mean, no one's probably watching because they don't know we're on, which I better tell people we're on. But... Um, and isn't it great to have International Rugby League back on the agenda after such a successful World Cup? I've just been and spent £50 to get free delivery on the shop.rlwc2021.com. Not Bef- an advert. Before not, it closes down. Before it closes down. All my stuff arrived. I bought three bowls, two scarves, a bobble hat, some t-shirts and stuff. So that's that's me sorted for the whole year now. I mean, the, the bowls will be on the desk when we're back at uh, back at the studio. So, so do look forward to that. Greece. Scotland and Ireland. Scotland and Ireland £1.50, Greece £3. I don't, know, I don't know why. USA was £4.50, so I didn't buy a USA ball. But, uh, all yeah. of whom are in the draw later this evening. So it's, it's all exciting. What, 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 what is going on here? Phil? Oh, uh, Carsten's on from Germany. Of course he is. What, what, what's going on here, Phil? Tell, tell the people what's going on. Well, it's the European A men's, eight nations, uh, two of whom will automatically qualify for the 2025 World Cup. Uh, four of whom will go into a repechage, two of whom have already qualified by virtue of getting to the quarterfinals last time, that's England and France. There will be a final for that competition, uh, which it's hoped will be played in France uh, in the autumn. Because if it goes with the seeding, England and France should be in that final, but that's not taken as a given. And the first ever women's qualifiers for a World Cup, um, again with eight nations, and the, the top two in that one will qualify for the World Cup. So it's quite a historic day, and um, we're going to be graced by some of the players and coaches and staff of virtually all of the nations that are in there. So uh, look out for some interesting reaction when the draw is made. I think the dates are known for the men's fixtures um, in October uh, this year. Uh, dates to be agreed yet with the women's, depending on how the draw works out. But uh, it's exciting because... I'm sure one of the things we will talk about is have we made best effort to follow up the World Cup? Um, it's not easy when the collective bargaining agreement has, hasn't <laughs> the collective bargaining non-agreement um, hasn't come to fruition in Australia, and it's not until it does that we'll know what the players are and aren't doing, and what they're insured for, and how many games they can play, and the responsibility of um, outside of their clubs 
So all of that um, is not far off being agreed, I'm told, but there won't be any major announcement of tours and things. The, the word on the street is that um, the likelihood is in this competition it will be mainly an England Knights team because the England senior team will probably be playing Tonga in a three-match series if everything goes to plan over here. Are they still England full internationals? I'm going to have to get the record keepers club on. Well, I think they are. Why, why would they be? Because we don't call them England Day or England something. Yeah, Damn. yeah. No, it's, it's England. But it will be, I think, the Sean Wayne would potentially look after the senior team playing against, let's say, Tonga at this stage. And Paul Anderson uh, would look after the emerging England team for best It's not as if they aren't won't be camped together. Well, John Bateman we'll played for yeah, exactly. Well, actually didn't play for the England Knights, but could have done. Yep. The World Cup seems so long ago now. It's great to have international rugby league back and across the women. There'll be some wheelchair stuff to be announced in, in the, the near future, I understand, which, which from, what I, from what I gather, could be very exciting. So uh, stay tuned for that. Oh, not standard, it recording, never mind. Um, but it's the opening weekend of Super League. We've got two weeks into the Championship and League. Or three weeks? Three weeks into the Championship. We've played three games. I thought it was just because there was no game on the telly this week. That's confused me. Um, well done to Workington, you topped the uh, League One table. Disappointment for Midlands, who didn't kick on from that first half against Cornwall. They could have been top of the table this week. They could have framed that up in the Alexandra Stadium, the home of the Commonwealth Games. But unfortunately, they, they, they weren't good enough in the second half and only won 40 points to six against Cornwall. Uh, Midlands, who were on the Sportsman again this week, against Hull Dockers in the Challenge Cup at Sewell Group Craven Park. So that's very exciting indeed. Um, first weekend of Super League... But overshadowed by uh, St Helens, who are the world champions. Gordon Burns, off of the crypt, in fact, are very upset that he wasn't on the BBC One News. But they were on BBC Breakfast this morning. I assume someone at BBC Breakfast loves rugby league because there's, <laughs> because there's nothing we can't work. do at the moment. I, I think um, it's caused us to reevaluate how good a performance that was because you sit there and you watch it and you think, this is amazing. But this now, I think, takes St Helens to unquestionably being the greatest team of the Super League era. Four titles in a row probably put them there anyway. But there is no doubt now that having gone over to Australia and not just beaten an Australian team, but beaten a team that is regarded in Australia as being a dynasty themselves, having got to the last three grand finals, won the last two of them. This was genuinely billed as the best against the best. And that's exactly what it was. And to go over there and come away with the I think that what what also was lost in the euphoria of just them winning was just how good a performance mm. that was from start to finish um, this final scoreline doesn't reflect how dominant St Helens were but nor does it take into account that you'd have thought going into Golden Point extra time having been ahead for so long and pegged back what a minute and a half from time that actually Momentum, if such a thing exists, should, <laughs> should Rob Studd forgive us for saying it, uh, would have been with Penrith. Um, but it wasn't. Saints played that golden point extra time. How we can only have wished England would have played it against Samoa. They were magnificent. Um, the sense of belief around what they were doing and their trust in each other and the fact that um, individually some of their players played to their absolute peak. Um, certainly... You know, Jack Wellsby was chastising himself for the potential mistake at the end, but didn't put a foot wrong throughout the entire 80 minutes. Enhanced what was already a growing reputation in a, in, in Australia. 
I think Lewis Dodd coming back has, has given Saints another dimension. Suddenly people in Australia are realising just how good James Roby is. That you know, There aren't many hookers that play 71 minutes, but the fact that he played 71 minutes at the age of 37 in the toughest of all positions right in the middle and his decision making at the end you know he was at the dummy half when he got the ball away to Dodd for the for the, for the drop goal that was exceptional I mean you could go through the I thought Curtis Surinin was magnificent on his return to to Australia Will Hopawati again just so solid at the back uh, when he was needed to be it was a wonderful advert for predominantly that St Helens team and and the last four or five years of what they've become but but it was for the Super League competition as well it did open some eyes it will help with negotiations for internationals at the end of the year there is talk coming out of Australia that um, it has already been decided that the pre-season cup was a success so there's two weeks where everybody played and there was a $100,000 prize at the end of it actually gave some meaning to pre-season but you can't do it with 17 teams so it was great that St Helens were there to be the 18th team, but the fact that they won both games also not only enhanced the pre-season, but made the NRL sort of go, actually, we need to have the World Club Challenge here again next year. Now, if we can announce that sooner rather than later, then everybody knows who's playing in Super League this year that at the end of the season they're getting a trip to Australia to play two matches, one effectively a warm-up game, one the World Club Challenge, and Saints came out of it I don't think having lost too much financially from going down that road and having had a fantastic pre-season into their training camp in perfect weather. So and you, you mean they went in the middle of their season when they played Penrith? Well, indeed. It, I just think it was, uh, it, it was astonishing. for We shouldn't lose sight of this is St Helens' moment, but it reflects magnificently on our competition and it comes back to the question that does directly link to the World Cup is how do we best capitalise on that? You know, what, what announcement are we going to make on the back of St Helens being for the next twelve months the best team in the world? Uh, but as a, as a as an action event from start to finish, you couldn't take your eyes off it. The fact that it was on terrestrial mm. and free to air television at the same time that you combine the numbers and half a million people have watched it, fantastic. Yeah, there weren't enough people in Penrith watching it. Really. It's like the worst watch games in Hunter Mariners versus oh, Wakefield or whatever. Man, it was 40 degrees man. until it became a thunderstorm. And, and, and you've got to build these games up. You know, kick myself in the leg. If you were a Penrith player or a Penrith supporter... They, they looked very upset at the end. They, yeah, they absolutely. Happen. But well, you wouldn't know how good St Helens were until you'd been beaten by them. So next time a team goes over, which... Everybody who's guessing where everyone's going to finish is saying it's... Well, it's going to be Saints again now. It's be Saints again. It was Wigan last week for me, but now it's Saints. But if it is Saints and they're going over for the World Club Challenge next year and they're playing Sydney Roosters or South Sydney, or whatever, the crowd will be a lot bigger because people will want to see it. The Roosters might have... What's his name? England, Dom, Young. Dom Young. Dom Young. He paid billions of pounds a year. Um, what was on the check game and McManus held up? Because he didn't get the 100 grand, but he did have a big check. Did he? He had a big check. A, a big fan of the big checks, as if it was children in need or something. But um, he, he wasn't doing a mile one, presenting himself with the, uh... <laughs> the million pounds that he didn't actually get. Yeah. Uh, Mark Percival, the getting out of the in goal, which eventually leads to the, the, the drop goal. Um, it, it was a. You know, I always go back to that Wigan Brisbane game because it was. 
a, a key part of my formative rugby league mm. education. I've been 13 years old watching it at my grandma's, uh, looking out for Nigel Wright, celebrating at the end. This time I was looking out for Tom Maguire. I couldn't see him. Didn't see him. I said, Imagine being three weeks into a job, you've flown to Australia and you come back with a trophy. The timing, the timing of that. And where, where he could have been yeah. and what yeah. he could have been dealing with. Um, but so obviously Wigan going to Brisbane is, is the, the big one in the 90s. And yeah. as you say, the Saints possibly now the, the greatest team in this era. It doesn't matter if you say they're better than Wigan or not because they're different. Teams. You can't compare the two. Yeah. But at, at this point and this point, because we don't know how great the teams of the 60s would have been against the exactly. South Sydney. And, 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 the, we, so and the rules are different. But what we do know is since we moved to summer, since we called it Super League, I think there is no doubt now that this is the greatest team because no other English team has managed to go over to Australia and win the World Club Challenge on their, on, on their turf. It's a phenomenal achievement. I would like to pay tribute to, to um, a certain columnist, and dare we say a friend. Um, there was one 37-year-old who grabbed all the headlines while he was over there, as he <laughs> rightly should have done. But there was another 37-year-old playing for St Helens who I thought was magnificent as well and um, d- doesn't, uh, doesn't chase the limelight perhaps as much as he did when he was a young kid. Doesn't get interviewed anymore in case he swears, but I thought Louis was fantastic as well. It, it was it was a, a great thing. I think what what shows that the power of Channel Four in terms of broadcasting this was obviously I, I monitor social media all the time because I've got nothing else better to do. But there weren't people moaning that Sky cut away at the end. Sky have to cut away because of yeah. You know, they had Australian a, TV is full of bloody adverts for gambling, and they, but they and also have a different. contractual obligation to move on to the next pre. Their deal with Fox was we'll show all the pre-season friendlies. Brisbane and the Gold Coast were kicking off virtually as yeah. soon as St Helens and Penrith had finished. So Sky had to cut away. That's their satellite. The fact that Channel 4 could stay on air for another half an hour and could pick up the reaction from um, from the Blue Bet Stadium as it was happening, was, was yeah, it gave everybody everything they wanted. And um, I can't think of a negative. You know, I really can't. And it rolled into the... Hulkar and Wigan game on Channel 4 and the audience for that was even higher than the uh, the World Club Challenge game. It, this week, if you'd, have script, if you'd been IMG and you've said, we'd like a script, here it is, this is what we want week one of our uh, investment to look like, it would have been exactly what happened. That The home teams in Super League put on super shows, the grounds were, were full and looked great on yeah. television. Um, St Helens pulled off a miraculous win that almost embarrassed the national press, not because our correspondents didn't want to cover it, but because there was no real space allocated to it beforehand. But afterwards, people were falling over themselves to congratulate Saints. And um, I, I think it's been a brilliant first week, but goes back to what we said before, why we're here today trying to help promote the international game. It's how you build on that, and you can't wait too long. Um, and round two will be great on the pitch because the one thing, again, that was proved uh, last week was that if you leave it to the players, you get the stories you want. But we do need to work as hard as it's possible to do to to, to get the coverage that we got this week. On, on the pitch, on the pitch. Um, yeah, on the, one, the one thing I, I learned... Did you, did you hint at something? Yeah, possibly. The one thing I learned from my other job is that, or my job is, that you're always building up to something and then as soon as it's finished, you've got to move on to the next thing because yeah. that's gone. I mean, yeah. granted, we're going to talk about the games. This is a different kind of thing. But it's all right, everyone banging on about how great the Sent was at Lee and at Warrington and at Hull Cow and this and the other. But what are we doing next? What's next week? What's going on next week? I didn't see the Lee Salford thing. I saw the reaction. It was the greatest thing that anyone's ever seen. 
I'd say if you're spending 100 grand and some of that's wasted on fireworks, you probably would be better off spending that on your actual backroom staff in terms of front office media marketing, whatever, rather than fireworks. But that's just me being negative. Um, and I'm sure someone can spin it that way. Um, 8,600 at Lee, uh, 10,000 at Hull KR, 15,000 at Hull, 4,000 at Working when we enter the stand, and uh, 11,000 at Warrington on the telly. The one thing that annoys me about these bands and things on before the matches is I think there's something for the people in the stadium. I don't think they're a TV thing. Um, although, I don't think Sky, I don't think Channel 4 mic'd up the band on Saturday, but they were the perfect example of how you integrate it because they introduce the teams onto the pitch mm. whereas you're just having a band in the stand at Warrington playing a song that I don't know because I don't know who they are and yeah, but it, that's because you're old oh yeah I am we're, try, we're trying to get a young a young audience to I don't mind the bands and being part of it but no. it, it just needs to be part of the TV coverage because it, I don't it's irrelevant I, I think it, it's only John Wilkin it's a feel isn't it it's an atmosphere yeah um, and I think that was a it started off where the band didn't get a huge response with their first songs at Warrington, but by the time they did their last song before the game started, the crowd had bought in. And I think when the TV cameras go over and a crowd is engaged and excited and part of it, and that's where the band works. But not necessarily what song they're singing, unless it's Heather Small and the World Cup final. Yeah, which was perfect. But I've, I've heard... What's happening this week? What's going on? I've heard all well, the hype about last week, but what... And I know you, as IMG, as, as IMG, as Rugby League Commercial told us... Peaks and drops. Thing, you can't... Every week can't be an event, but... I mean, it This can, is the first home got, games for... Yeah, it your lead it right. can be an event if you've got an unlimited budget. And I think it's safe to say that Rugby League Commercial helped Lee and Warrington and Hull KR, the televised games, to give that impression. Um, whether that help was logistical, marketing... Monetary, um, I don't know, but you know, you can't do it all the time. No. I mean, I wouldn't have done anything at Wakefield on Friday anyway, because why would you when the stand's not there? When everything's built up and ready to open to the public, then you have a big extravaganza. It's not by doing it now. No, mind you, when I went and they, they, when the floodlights came on in '91 and we lost the whole KR on the Sky, they had fireworks and everything. Nothing, a hundred thousand pounds worth of fireworks, but. Um, no, I think what Lee did with unveiling their new mascot, with having the fire dancers, with having a band that people had heard of who were slightly <laughs> older, um, with that whole rebranding thing worked. Um, they got the second highest crowd in Super League. Brilliant. But as you say, it's you know the next home game, which could be on a wet Sunday afternoon and not on the telly, is will be more of a measure of, of where they are. I haven't done the kit video yet. And uh, the great news for Lee is yours is not the worst kit. Now, I've not put the worst kit in the video because I don't want to upset that club, but it's Keithley's. Um, speaking of kits, I'm looking at uh, Jake Mamo in the whole kit. Oh, no, he's in the cast kit. Cause, mm-hmm. I mean, come on, it's, it's basic things. I, I, I mean, I'm from Wakefield. We've got three amateur teams in the area. We all wear black and red for no apparent reason in, in, in Stanley, Eastmore and, and Normanton. I don't know why they all wear the same colours. But in the excitement of Super League, uh, I'm not really sure why... I mean, it shouldn't, it shouldn't happen. When, Going back to the, the brief time that I worked in the Super League, um, the Super League Code of Conduct or whatever it was, which is a fascinating read, had the kits of every club in a grid. So you could see them. So you would know that Cash shouldn't probably wear a predominantly white kit against a team who wear a predominantly white home shirt. Yeah. Especially when they've got a yellow bloody third kit. They've got three kits. I don't know, just 
Just basic things. I don't know why we, we do these things. Oh, that's why we trip ourselves up, because that's not even about money. That's no. merely about, you know, the, the logistics of things. But um, let's not dwell on that. No. Let's dwell on the action. Well, it was all action in Castleford, uh, in Pontefract last week. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> you know that when you're in the public eye, you have a responsibility, like it or not. I know play, some players don't like being called role models or whatever, but they are because of their job. We know that if camera phones had been around 30, 40 years ago, a lot of people would have been in a lot of bother, but they weren't, and they are now. And this is nothing new. I... I, I I'm not sure what you do with a player who does this. I, mean, I, think, it, I think it is bringing the game into disrepute. Mm. So, so I think, should the RFL be doing something? Well, what? I think if there was, I think it was probably Steve Maskell that brought it upon social media first. If there was an NRL type integrity unit, it's, it's a matter that would have been referred to it. I think there's, there's two other things that come out of this. One is why is any player, no matter who it is, on a bender to the point where you're not in, you know, you, you, you're clearly allowing things to be filmed that if you had rational thought at the time, you wouldn't allow to be. You then make a statement saying it's alcohol related. Why is any player who is a full time professional, particularly an experienced one who is 30 years old, in taking alcohol to that level a week before the season starts? That can't be part of your preparation. I think that's one aspect of it. Um, and if you were a fan of that club, you'd want to know why that behaviour was was deemed to be accepted. On the fact that it was filmed and what it, what was filmed, I think the other thing is you can't then defend it. You can't then make a joke of it. And I think that whilst Lee Radford is the kind of bloke we love to interview all the time because he gives great quotes and he's not anodyne like so many coaches are, I do think he misread the room on that. I think that you know it's very very hard to defend what is. It, Indefensible. It's very, very hard not to take into account the victims of something like that. Uh, and it's not our place to judge relationships between people, but clearly from the social media traffic, um, a wife and, and children were implicated by the actions. Um, and I don't think that Castleford played due enough respect to their feelings in all of this, to almost gloss it over, oh, well, we find him, and oh, we're not telling you how much fine, and oh, uh, you know, we're not going to stand him down, and uh, he is a bit, to use the word mental again, it's just, it's misreading the room. Um, so I think, you know, it was a big news story, partly for the wrong reasons, but in, again, if you're IMG, and you do genuinely believe that it's management of news rather than good news or bad news, you'd be saying a big, a big story that everybody wants to feature in the run-up to the season start. It's not the worst thing that could have happened. It's the worst thing that could have happened for the people that have been implicated in it. Um, and you need to pay due, due deference to them. And I, and I don't I don't think Castleford did, to be honest. And I'm, I'm not sure the RFL did either, because I think they could have... I think they could have taken action on it. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to what I said when Robert Elton made his grandson ban of Ben Barber. But that's fine. So what we're we doing next? And they didn't do anything there. So there's no, there's no morality clause or whatever. And, and you can, your level of whatever's acceptable or isn't it, it, 
that's up to you. That's that's not for me to judge, and it's not for uh, you know. I'm not to saying that Joe Westman should be sacked or this or that or the other. I mean, we do know for we know because rugby league as a precedent. If you are a star player, there is more leeway than if you are a player at the bottom end of the food chain. We know, and we know that if a player from the Pyongyang Pylons reserves, because I can use them because they don't exist, if they did something of the similar ilk, they wouldn't be treated in the same way as a star player. That's just that's just how it is. Everyone knows that, and we all live with that. I think, but there must be a code of conduct. Well, the, and there must be a fact that we know that players have access to much larger support bases for any issues they have in life mm. than the, the regular man, woman, person on the street. So there has to be a point where there is some accountability. And, and at the moment, it appears there's none because we don't know how much... <laughs> a substantial fine means nothing. It's like on the wrestling when they say he's been fined £50,000, but he hasn't really. I think it's consequence as well. There has to be consequence for actions and... You know, young people who do look up to rugby league players, whether they should be role models or not, is a debate that a lot of people have a lot of the time. That you know, that they're in the public eye, whether they should be role models or not, people will look at their actions, and there should be a consequence for behaviour that is deemed outside of of what would normally be tolerated. Look, copying some of those shocking haircuts this weekend. That's got to bring it back. You see, light and shade. A mullet with shaved sides. How does that work? Said so, the man who knows nothing about style or has very much hair anymore. It, it just happens to be that Castleford are on the telly on Sunday against St Helen. So um, I, I don't know how <laughs> Adam Hill's good luck. Um, back on the field, uh, Wayfield have got issues uh, with their grass apparently. Um, Been reported. Yeah. Um, Tom Johnson's knees. I've not seen anything like that since 2002 when I was at college and a girl came in on a Monday morning and said, look at my knees. Oh, well, the carpet's done from it. And uh, it's been playing snooker or something. Or right. Scale electrics. And uh, so Tom Johnson's got a hat-trick. Well, he would know that round quite well, he, he wouldn't does, he? Well, he and, and I don't think he's ever complained about Burns before when he's been wearing the shirt of the, the home team. So there must be something about the uh, the grass not properly taking. But, again, that does seem... Uh, um, Wakefield always used to have... A slightly dilapidated <laughs> stadium, but by far the best playing area. Prided themselves on it. So I know they've had their pitch relayed, but clearly, again, pitches are passed before um, games are played. You would have thought that uh, somebody might have realised before rather than after that there was a, a potential danger. Well, they take time to bed in, apparently, but they've had three friendlies on the pitch as well as a reserve game, so I don't know if that affects it or not. Mm. I, I don't know anything about pitches. I'm not Monty Don or whatever, so... Uh, he wouldn't be watching either. I think that's a missed opportunity for Wakefield because mm. when I saw the um, Catalan team come through, and you think, you know, for, for teams who perhaps are going to be towards the bottom of the league, um, and they will tell you that, that their aim is to make the playoffs and that everybody's aim is, but I think, you know, again, going by the predictions that everybody's made, it's either going to be Lee or, or Wakefield. Uh, contesting that, that relegation spot. It may well not be, but at this stage, before anybody's played more than one game, <laughs> it's Wigan. that's what we're looking at. Um, you would have thought that the sooner you pick up two or four points in the season, the easier that load becomes to carry. And, and there were, what, at least six or seven first-choice Catalan players who were out there. They even had to make, a, I think, a change from the um, initial squad that they put out and bring another young French player in. Um that, I thought, was an ideal opportunity uh, for Wakefield to get their season off to a, a flying start. So, 
I think that uh, it's going to be tough to come back from because they're they're at Wigan, aren't they? This yeah. this week, who clearly have a a point to prove. Yeah, um, having lost the whole KR twenty seven eighteen. Great game management from Jordan Ample to the, of the drop goal just before the Uta at the end of the first half. Whole car looked really good. Mm. Um, weren't really sure what the Willie Peters era was going to, to bring. I think there were uh, there was interest in whether they, they would get better value this year from their overseas players than um, they did from the trio they had last year in terms of number of games they managed to play across the season. And, and it looked like they were very, very solid. They were... Uh, they were good. Wigan surprisingly flat in the second half. Uh, Morgan Smith, his big deal made about him taking the famous number 13 shirt, <laughs> couldn't quite manage the full 80 minutes. Didn't come as too much of a surprise. It's part of his game that he really does need to, uh, to to look at, which is not not us telling him. It's it, you know his, his record would tell him that. And there seemed to be some kind of disconnect as well on the wing out to Bevan French. He never got a single clean ball. Jai Fields kept very quiet again. Spotlight's going to be on them mm. this year because every team will have been working in the off-season. When we come to Wigan, this is how we try and counteract those two players. And uh, Hulk Howe found a way of doing that. And having to cope with having to reshuffle everything with Ryan Hall going off injured um, and not having a, a real replacement on the bench. It was a very forward-heavy bench, wasn't it, for Rovers? So, very good performance. Hatching from Sean Kenny Dowell. He got the uh, player of the match. Bit of tap, whatever you get for these days. And... Uh, that, that woman on the telly, she won a patty butty for predicting Hulk would win. She um, did. No, no, no. Um, Hull, Hull FC beat Castle, we've been mentioned this. <laughs> what a strange <laughs> game that was. Yeah, 26 6. I was listening to that on um, a local radio station, and um, you know, you'd turn off at half time. Yeah. Virtual assured that Hull were going to run in 50 or 60 and, and actually you couldn't turn it off because by the end you genuinely <laughs> did not know who was going to win which is full credit to to Castleford I suspect Tony Smith who was full of plaudits for his team at the end will have had a slightly different message when he spoke to them on the Monday morning or whenever they came in again Tuesday um, that you know you, you cannot fall off the pace to that degree um, if you really want to build um, something that, that is going to last you going into the season. It's early days, it's one round. And, um, I, I think both coaches will have got something out of it. Tony Smith's clearly got some enterprise into his whole players. Um, Lee Radford's got a team that will battle till the end. So both got something out of it. And, and as Tony Smith said, if 15,000 people enjoyed that, you'd hope they'd all come back again for the next game. Why wouldn't you enjoy it? Turn some lights off or something. Exciting. Um, I'm interested to know what people made of the entertainment stuff. I know there's not millions of people watching, but there's big thousands watching uh, on the, or listening to the podcast later. What you made of the first weekend in Super League, at least. Um, Salford winning at Lee, 20 Which, points. And we might be able to speak to one of their players later. Great nows from Salford. I think you know that was the game, again, with all the hype behind it, mm. where if you weren't as professional as Salford were, particularly in that first 20 minutes when Lee had the bulk of the possession... Um, you would have felt that that could have overwhelmed lesser teams, but I, we underestimate Salford because you know they've made a grand final, they've made a cup final, they've made a semi final. They know how to handle games at this level now. They've got a really, really competent team that can grind it out if they need to, that can play expansive if they need to. And, and I thought again that was their banana skin, but whilst they were never totally in control. 
they dictated the terms of that game. Uh, I thought that was a really professional performance from from Salford. I've been uh, listening to and reading all the experts' film, and obviously, you know, Legion Crisis is back, which yep. is great. Yes, of everything we've done on this program and the history of it, going back to Radio Yorkshire, you know, shining a spotlight on areas of the game which didn't have it and everything else. But no, it's Legion Crisis. And what I've learned is, if Leeds didn't do short kickoffs and had a captain, they they might have still lost to Warrington because Warrington were really, really good and dominated from minute one. It looked like two teams <laughs> that were a different level of preparation. I mean, you knew that Warrington were going to try and redress their season of 2021 when they came out this year, uh, 2022, um, because it had been so low in terms of what their fans had originally expected, that they had to re-engage with them in that opening 40 minutes of the first game of the next season. And they were faultless. Not only were they 13 a lot, but they didn't make a mistake. They didn't um, didn't miss a completion, didn't miss a tackle. And they came out at 100 mile an hour and they got some real size about them. Leeds looked underprepared and clearly struggled, particularly in the early parts of a season, with big forward packs. Um, it happened a couple of years ago when they played Hull at Headingley and were beaten by um, 30-odd points. That, that once a big, strong team gets on top, they haven't got the, the armoury to, to, to handle that. I thought, again, the the guy who didn't get as much plaudits as I thought he should have done for Warrington was Josh Drinkwater. Because, yeah, absolutely, James Harrison, brilliant. Um, uh, Paul Vaughan on his debut, brilliant. The figures back that up. But... I think Drinkwater got them playing in the right part of the field exclusively. So, you know, we're, you're always going to be running off your own line into our big guys because Josh Drinkwater's put you there. He took the uh, all of the that area of responsibility off George Williams, who seemed to play a freer role and, and was excellent, a bit like he was in the same sort of capacity with England. Um, now, I, I thought Warrington looked a really, really well-balanced team. Um, and they've got two big guys still to come in who didn't even play this this week. So the it, the portents look good for them. Uh, Leeds, what they wouldn't want would be to play another team with a very big pack, so they've got <laughs> hold this week. That's exactly what they wouldn't want. Um, but no, they, they, they looked... To, one team looked like it wanted to make a crash-hot start yeah. and a statement. The other team looked like it might have been saying, we're building into something. Um, so, yeah, the disparity was huge, and, uh, and Warrington... Well, absolutely superb. Fully, fully deserved their victory. What is interesting is, in terms of um, going back to the Western story for a moment, that got that. that got all the headlines. But really, you would think that uh, something that would usually get more headlines and didn't was the seven-game ban for Josh McGuire. For Josh McGuire, which, in and of itself, reading the case notes or whatever, is a far bigger issue for the sport than whatever Joe Wesson's done mm. in his own time. <laughs> and, and that seems to have been very much downplayed, which mm. is odd, because especially when we've got inclusion round coming up, which is our, we can't do pride round because people will complain. But we haven't got an inclusion round. We've got an inclusion game. Inclusion game. When are we going to have a proper round, you know, rounds of things, you know, armed forces round, inclusion round. Women in league round. Why can't all of the clubs on any one weekend spread them in? So we've got one game at Castleford that we're going to call inclusion because their PDRL guys are going to walk the uh, the match. But great, but can't it, we all do it? Does inclusion round mean you can have bigots and can get chubby brown on the stadium? Can't we all be included in inclusion round? Well, shouldn't we all be included in every round? Isn't rugby league 
always, uh, I, I know, it's semantics, it's semantics. But it's just interesting that that ban happened. It just seemed to mm. just play a seven game ban. It's just, yeah. not that we, we want to make news of something that's not good, but it just, it just seemed on how that just disappeared. Mm. Um, well, you weren't Warrington on. I was. I assumed you were. It was, if, did you watch it back? Uh, funnily enough, no. Sky doing lots of wandering around as if they were Channel 4. It was very strange. Yes, and I noticed in the Lee Salford game, lots of wandering up a dark track to try and chase players while they were warming up on a, an amateur ground at the back of the stadium. Cold. I mean, I didn't see Fridays, but I, I read about 500 words already about Thursday, Thursday's game. There's nothing right about Sky, uh, Channel 4, because they're just doing the same as they did last year. Uh, I, I do always think, if because everyone loves the, the pie thing on whatever Premier's called these days, Fire Sport. Have you heard the terrible news, by the way? Eurosport's going to be rebranded. Eurosport what, and BT are merging, and they're going to be called uh, TNT Sports. All right. Which is, Eurosport is the great byword for terrible stuff no one else will pick up, and now right. it's going to be dead. Um, but I, I, I can guarantee you, if um, they took the Ross and Emma pie thing from Premier and put it onto Sky with Brian Carney and whoever, people would hate it, because they just hate Sky, because they didn't come and have it for years, but... Is what it is. The, the people who say that forget that they actually pay for the entire game and they allow Channel 4 to have 10 games that actually they, they had in their contract so. all of the money all of the money so you just have to be careful what you wish for the sky isn't terrible <laughs> you might not like some or all of the presentation it doesn't mean that sky are radio, the victims there's radio that you put your radio on at the same time do that kind of thing People like to do that. Talk sport. And what, how great was that? I know this is like people say, "Oh, you're shilling." I, 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 I haven't worked for Talk Sport for years now. Um, Brilliant. Halliwell uh, Jones. Halliwell and Jones. Great yeah. show. Love them. Great, great, great broadcasters. Holtzman <laughs> Jacobs live from the Halliwell Jones for three hours. Just talking rugby league for three hours, pretty much. With but voice. talking rugby league with respect, because mm. I listened to that three hours, um, and I and I thought, you know, firstly, um, access. Now, absolutely astonishing that um, Daryl Powell would go on live on the afternoon of a game, that Ash Handley would answer the phone on the day of a game. and uh, Well, it, it sounded like the line was so clear, it was probably on Zoom or something. Um, you wouldn't get that in any other sport. And we're just going to speak to Fred Nurk of Manchester City before he kicks off in a big game against that. No, it just wouldn't happen, would it? Um, but they have guests on who, you know, James Simpson was on, um, Mr Wilson of, of this parish was on their commentator, uh, didn't try and sack her in it at all, Stuart Pearce who we know is a big fan, but it sounded like it was a big occasion and whilst I think um, Andy Jacobs probably isn't a devotee of rugby league, the first thing he said was, oh, I like rugby league more than rugby union, said, right, well you can stay. Are well, they on the strike yet, the Welsh on the strike? And uh, and Paul Hawksby um, said that what was it? He, he used to share a, a house with a St Helens fan and went to some games in the nineties. And it was treated with we love this game. This is a great game. Um, and and they were there genuinely Ooh. promoting it. And a couple of days later, I, I listened to them, uh, and they were talking about St Helens. In fact, it might have been Monday when they were rounding up the weekend action, and they were were truly uh, complimentary of St Helens. They bought it up. It wasn't. You or me tweeting and go, but you haven't mentioned St. Helens yet. You know, it, it was um, Paul Hawksby who said, I just want to take a minute to what a, what a game and what a performance, what a team. Should try to get Gordon Burns on the podcast. I like Gordon Burns. I like the Crimson fans. Apart from when they messed it up in the final series. We've been offered a guest for the podcast. We'll, we'll get her on. 
um, but I'll reply to it later. So, so it was all, it was, you know, it was all positive. As you said, the, even the negative story wasn't, an, wasn't a... I, I think it, it, it's, it's negative for some people involved in it. Yes. But a whole, it is, I think you need to pay considerably more respect to the victims of that incident, of which there were clearly some. But in terms of if you are a sport that wants to grab a headline before you kick off, it wasn't the worst thing that could have happened in, in raising profile that it's hard to get. Um, which, again, is why I, I don't think Lee Radford should have singled out newspapers for trying to build it up. You know, if, if you know anything about news value, that isn't a story you can keep from any right. newspaper, and it isn't the sports correspondent that would write those stories or send someone to ask a question. People on the internet are talking about it and making jokes about yeah. it, and that's just human nature, so it's tough. They wouldn't be making jokes about it or talking about it if it didn't happen. Um, Simply this week, Thursday, Salford, Hull, KR on Sky. Great game. Two teams who won their first games. That would be interesting to see how they follow that up. Leeds, Hull, FC. Now, that's the game on Sky on Friday. I forgot when we were talking about Warrington and Leeds. A lot of people talking about um, Leeds' pre-season games not being full of intensity. Now, I'm going to come at this from this angle and say the Super League is not one in round one. It is one at a wet <laughs> October night and, in old and so, any... when, so when do you want to? Yeah. When do you want that intensity? You don't want that intensity against Bradford. I in the think Warrington track. had to have it in week one because of how that was a statement game for them. Um, I'm not going to make any excuses for Leeds. I don't think necessarily no. the coaching staff wanted five pre-season friendlies. I think they tried a whole raft of players across those friendlies so that you couldn't say at the end of them, that's our best team, that's what we're going in with. And I don't think that's what they used them for. What you'll only know is when we get to round 24, who's carrying injuries, who's in form, who's been overplayed, who could keep that intensity of round one going, um, which we know St Helens are the best examples of, who times their peak later in the season, which you might say is a trait of, Leeds teams um, you can't read any, I don't think you can read anything into pre-season and, and as yet uh, although we, we have produced league tables after just <laughs> one game um, I'm not sure that will tell you too much until we get beyond Easter which is something we say every single year wait for that bottom wait for, wait for the good league in the table um, yeah so at least play Hull Huddersfield Warrington Wigan which should be a great game because again Warrington have got to back that up mm-hmm. Um, but it's Huddersfield's first, first game, game yeah. so will they be slightly underdone? Will, will Warrington be physically more attuned? Um, that, I think, is a, is a fascinating game. Catalan Lee on Saturday. I'm fortunate for Lee. And, and again, the fixture planners, without even knowing what the result of Lee's first game would have been, there's a bit of a come down when mm. you're playing your first game in Super League and, and you want to make a statement. So then send them on a plane to Catalan, that, that's a tough ask. Well, they've taken the Wakefield slot there because that's where Wakefield usually go to Catalan's earlier in the season so they avoid the sun, um, which, of course, Lee Radford's doing these days. Um, ha. Ha, ha, ha. On the telly on Saturday, Cornwall versus Rochdale Mayfield. Now, that's going to be interesting. One o'clock on the iPlayer. I don't know anything about Rochdale Mayfield, but I saw Cornwall on the Sportsman on the Sunday. I saw bits of them because I was working. And um, if Rochdale are any good, they've got a very good chance of beating them. No disrespect to Cornwall, intended there. Just you know, Mid- Midlands really hammered them in that first half. It was like not men against boys or whatever, but it, it really was a, a, a team of a different class 
against each other. I, I just think, um, again, we've got we, whoever that is, RL Commercial, IMG, have really got to decide what we mean by an expansion team. Um, we've got a new columnist in the magazine looking at League One issues, which is Carl Hall. Um, and he, he talks about the logistics for the other clubs of playing those teams. And he said, that's fine if there's a value at the end of it. But w- what are we doing? You know, what is the plan with Cornwall and Midland? If you just leave it to them, at some point they'll flounder because they don't have access to enough quality players or they need a benefactor to come in to prop it all up and, and you know try and buy them some time. But I, I'm concerned with that start by Cornwall at the beginning of their second season. Well, he's a scorer at the end. But, uh, but yeah. 453 people watching. That's a positive, I guess, for the first game in the new home in the Midlands. Um, in the Championship, just to jump back to that, uh, Bradford Asian out witness 14-12. Had witness on the coupon, so, you know, John Key's on Good, there, good light win for Bradford. Yeah, very important light win. Um, Fev Hammond White Haven 76-4. Aren't, aren't Featherstone looking... Um, a different team under Sean Long and Leon Price. You know, the number of points they've scored already in conditions that are not yet fully conducive to open running rugby, they, they could be fun to watch this year. It's not halfbacks as opposed to forwards as coaches, isn't it? be interesting to see how they keep that going. Uh, Halifax beat London 26-18. Again, Keith. London, I think, are a different London this year mm. than they were last year. Newcastle have lost... To, uh, lost at Keithley 44-24 which is an important result for Keithley because obviously they got mm. battered on the telly the first week so a uh, big win for them um, Sheffield and, 30... and then um, Newcastle took Keithley's player of the year last year <laughs> at the end of the game <laughs> uh, the game from the gift shop afterwards um, Sheffield 36 mil over Batley on a Friday night 800 pe- a, a nearly 900 people there um, I mean, that's obviously a very good result for Sheffield but well they started the Batley, season yeah. really really well um, I do think, um, yeah, we know the character behind Batley, but that, that's a couple of defeats in three games, which is, is not Batley-esque under Craig Lingard. I'm sure he'll turn that around, but um, what I would say is that uh, that, that is a, you know, a, a really good result for Sheffield to nil a team at home. Uh, and they seem to be playing with renewed intent this year, almost as if there might be a licence up for grabs or something. Concern, he says, three games into the season. Um, Swinton beat Barrow, 20 points to Which is a fantastic result. for so Two wins for Swinton yeah. out yeah. of three. They'll be dancing, Mr Kellen will be dancing yeah. in the streets of Sale. When you speak to him on... Uh, the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to beat York, 36-0. Um, shall, I, shall, I, shall I go to the York press conference in the morning and ask Andrew Henderson anything? I don't know. I think to lose again, yeah. being, a, being a full-time team... Um, it, it, it's showing that they might be short on numbers, but uh, they look incredibly well prepared for the new season. Uh, on Monday on the telly, it's Widney's versus Halifax, so look forward to that on uh, via play uh, if you subscribe to that. League One, uh, Doncaster Race Out, Hunslet 18 16. Sounded a great game. Uh, working to one of the scholars, 58. Think, did Hunslet miss a conversion near to the post in the last minute that would have drawn? It doesn't say anything. I think it did. I'd have to read the match reports, no one reads the match reports. Uh, Midlands won, as we say, and uh, Dewsbury uh, started their League One campaign with a win at the North Wales Crusaders, well, at Witness, because uh, they were kicked out by the Welsh Rebunion, who uh, have got they'll, their own problems. They'll get their comeuppance, don't you? Yeah. There's an interesting thing, and it's Rebunion at the minute, but there's going to come a point where, in all professional sport, that isn't football, which, of course, is going to be bought out by Qataris, unless any Qataris want to buy 
Super League clubs, where and obviously this programme is fully in favour of players getting paid as much as they possibly can. However, there's also a limit on to how much you pay people compared to how much you bring in as a business. Mm -hmm. And if you don't bring enough money in, and you can't pay more money out, then where is the value for these people? Now, for the, the great thing for Super League players is if they think they're not getting paid enough here, they can bugger off to the NRL and get paid a lot of money there in Aussie dollars. Including stuff. the women. Including the women now. But... But the rugby union players can't do that anymore. They, they used to have the option if they didn't like the forty quid they put in the boot, they could, you know, go mm -hmm. to witness. But they can't do that anymore. No. So um, it's, it's not laughing at it's not laughing at this situation. It's it's a reality thing. You may well be able to read something about that in the next issue. The next one. What are the TV figures for Viaplay? No idea, Tim, because they don't publish them anymore publicly for free. That's how I used to find them out. They don't do any more for free. I'm not paying for them, so um, I'm, I'm sure the clubs will know. And I'm yeah. sure if if they're very good, then some people related to clubs will leave them. And the RFL will if they're really, really good. But I'm not I'm not saying they're good or bad because I don't know. And it, it's a it's a niche product in a niche sport, so it, it is what it is. Um, was uh, Georgie Hale's not the make weight in the deal? Is she? <laughs> She's the opposite. She might have clinched the deal. <laughs> Uh, Amy Stevens come to York. She's coming on the podcast. Oh, good. I don't know when. I've got to sort, sort that out, but she's going to come on the podcast. Oh, lovely. So, uh, be good to speak to her. She's got to try in the 2018 Chinese Cup final. I remember that Cup final. It was good, that one. Best, best covered Cup final ever. The start of it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a row in the reception of the Hollywood World Yard Stadium. But apart from... And, and you were Ian Leibon's funeral this morning. I was. Um, John Holdsworth passing away last week. Another legendary figure... Uh, it, it is a, a it is a sad time at the moment. It's all the, it's all the greatness of the start of the season, all the excitement. It, it still clouds over the horizon. It, it's just yeah, sad. I, and again, I don't know if it's maybe, maybe because we're all getting a little bit older and you, you feel a little bit more fallible as you do. But you know, to have lost people like Morris Lindsay and David Oxley and Bob Ashby and Fred Lindop and Malcolm Lord and now the great Ian Laybourne, who was such a st staple of the press boxes from, well, John P.A. in 1994, so he's been an ever-present, uh, before that he was covering Huddersfield and, and his beloved Batley. Um, you know, we knew it would feel different because he'd ostensibly retired, but to be paying our farewells to him earlier today was uh, was tragic. Um, and, and, you know, John Holdsworth as well, uh, this me thinking, oh, I watched him referee a couple of years ago, and you go, oh, that was 1999, right, OK. Um, but yes, we, we've, we've lost some people that we need to uh, keep close to our hearts and, and the whole of the media pack was, was there and it was treated with great respect and reverence for a few drinks and nibbles afterwards at the John Smith Stadium and it was lovely to, to recall what a, just, just what a lovely man it was. I've, I've not got it with me, which is a shame because uh, my bag fell apart this morning, but on the Wakefield put together a media pack this year uh, with all the players and bits and pieces and on the back was a picture of Ian Rayball. Mm. Which was a, a, a nice, yes. just a nice touch. You don't have to, if, they, if they absolutely you want to notice, but they yeah, no, it, and and I think that's what he meant to everybody. There aren't there aren't too many people in the game who are trusted by everybody, but when you work for the press association, you are the primary source of information getting out there about the sport. Individual reporters will do their own stories, but the bulk of what you read. 
particularly news on a daily basis comes through that press association network and uh, and and everybody trusted and loved he and the, the tributes he got from people in Australia as well as over here told you everything about how respected he was and um, but just a, apart from being the, the the genuinely nice guy that everybody said that he was you know he really was he was so helpful there were so many people that we would know in press boxes now who've started their career under his tutelage um, who've gone on to, to be journalists who, who uh, you know had a debt of gratitude to him and, and uh, he helped whoever he could whenever he could had a fantastic outlook on life as well was a was quite a well travelled man and a, had a, you know that, that sort of rounded world view um, I, I hadn't realised until the, the, the eulogy today that he, he worked for a newspaper in South Africa when he was younger that was part of the um, the black movement against apartheid you know that's how socially aware he was and something that n- not many people did and, and then only came back to his beloved rugby league when uh, when it, when he uh, when he ran out of money and had to come home uh, <laughs> so yeah so a, so a fabulous story and but a, but a wonderful man and yes um, hopefully if, uh, if his name gets brought up along this season then uh, you know that can't, that can't be too much in a in a current world where there are Far too many <laughs> uh, old, middle-aged to old white men in the media moaning that there is no one to uh, hear their stories. I think it's important that anyone who is in, even the position I am as this ancillary part, that it's very important that you give as much of a leg up to the next generation as you can, because you wouldn't be where you are without the same. Mm. And there's too many people who. Not, not in rugby league necessarily, I'm just saying in general that you, you see these articles at the weekend from people on the telly you think, you've got a 40 year career and you're moaning about something. And, well, what I'm, you, you can tell what I was going to say when I'm just saying it then, but it just, it's, it's a bit of a problem. anything else happened? I know I always say this. But, uh, well, tonight we've got the uh, European the draw, yes. and Saturday we've got the wheelchair. Wheelchair, awards. yes. So we might get to know a little bit more about the wheelchair season and who's playing who and when and uh, what the international might be. But there'll also be awards given out for what was a historic year last year. So I think we'll be hopefully reporting mm. on that. I've, uh, I'm putting something together which I don't really want to talk about just yet. So I need to work on that, which Saturday might be a big day to work on that. Um, Saints going to make some money back from them shirts anyway, even though they're mm. yeah, a bit in there. But, you know. Now you would want them, wouldn't yeah, you? Even though they're not out till May. Yes. <laughs> they are the they are the champions of the world and deservedly so and, and uh, we should revel in that so they've been on BBC Breakfast what can they go on next the one show Steph's Pat Lunch um, they'll be in demand question uh, sport because it was on Channel 4 shop. more people saw it than have ever probably seen a World Club Challenge Ooh. game before then we need to cash in on the back of that need to get the uh I need to get the Yorkshire Cup on the repair shop. I know you put it out in the magazine this month, but I saw it, and it's it's in, it's in a state, the lid. And I, I know we had it last, so... I, but it's been a Huddersfield for years, so it doesn't need, doesn't need, uh, doesn't need fixing. And then we can bring it back when, for IMG's uh, exciting Not Magic Weekend. New, Magic new event. New event, sponsored by Betfred. Um, is, do they like us still? I didn't, I didn't they like us. They like us. They're, they're looking to renew. I'm told. Good, good. I mean, it's it's a fairly positive start to the year. Hmm? I don't, There's no, no reason why it shouldn't be. But exactly. then we always knew it would be on the field. 
it rarely disappoints in the start of a new year. It's can we capitalise? It's like I said, I was I was rugby down after the World Cup, but now it's back. It's, we're it's all fine. It's all fine again. I didn't need to watch any friendlies because they're all rubbish. Uh, thank you for watching. Um, the podcast will be out. I'll put the podcast out in a few minutes because the, the people haven't arrived yet. So we're all right. Have we locked them out? I don't know. The, the draw, the draws are exciting. We put the balls in the bag. Yeah. Should we nickel? Oh, we? Should we draw a... Let's have a rehearsal. Draw, 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 draw a six on a nine or something. And, and, and that's it. So, yeah. Um, there's, there's nothing else happening, is there? We're no, we're back, yeah. we're back, back, back. Back, yes. So we'll, we'll do another podcast next week at some point. I don't know whether it'll be stuff from... Saturday or not, I don't know. Cause There'll be stuff from here yeah. at some point. Yeah, so 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 look out, look out, or listen out, or whatever you do. And press end stream, it'll end it, and then it'll be all over. Sports Social Podcast Network.